0: Before I dive into Micah chapter 3, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray for your Holy Spirit. We pray that the Holy Spirit would work in us today so that we can hear and we can understand your message to us and help us please to respond in the way we ought to do so, so that we can become the people you want us to be. Amen. some things need to be said some things need to be said and sometimes they require strong words let me suggest the football team 3-0 down at half time and the manager then gives them what do they call it the hairdryer treatment he reads them the riot act perhaps bottles of water are thrown and even the top Most highly paid players, they get criticised and they may have their precious egos hurt by words that need to be said. Strong words are spoken because change is needed. The team needs a good kick up the backside. Things cannot go on the way they are going. So, if that was your team, 3-0 down at half-time, you would expect strong words to be said to them. Now imagine for a moment that that halftime talk is broadcast to those disappointed fans sitting outside. But you're hearing your manager merely say, Oh darlings, 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 please don't worry. It's, it's just a game. I still love you all. Just go out there, be yourselves, do whatever you want to do, don't worry about tackling anybody, it just doesn't matter. I don't want any of you to be hurt for the next uh, 45 minutes. Can you imagine that? You what? You what? I expect that manager may not be employed much longer. Well, you know, some people want to believe that God is just A God of love, a God willing to forgive everyone anything that they do, and a God who will never speak harsh words to anyone. These people seem to think that God, in his great love, which is indeed being poured out each and every day, but they seem to think he'll never show anger, and he'll never say strong words which might possibly upset someone's precious ego. Well, sorry, but that's not the God I know. It's not the God I read about in this book, the Bible. And I'm sorry if I'm starting to make anybody feel slightly uncomfortable, but if you read the Bible, if you look closely and listen to what God constantly says, we hear of the God of the Bible taking sin very seriously and constantly warning of the consequences of sin. Yes, God is full of love, but he's also a God of justice. A God who cannot sit there and do nothing about sin. A God who cannot tolerate sin. And he calls people to stop and turn back to him in repentance and faith. Well, today, we hear through the prophet Micah, Very strong words, very strong words. Words which God needs to say. And he's saying specifically to the leaders of the people and the so-called prophets who were around at the time. And these words still need to be heard today. The endless word of God is as true today as it was when it was first spoken. And did you notice? that in chapter 3, we hear the word justice three times. So yes, God is full of love and compassion, longing to forgive people. But only if we truly understand God's justice, and we understand the consequences of sin, can we truly appreciate and rejoice fully in God's love and his mercy. As I said earlier, it would be really useful for you to have Micah 3, In front of you, it's page 1021 of the Pew Bibles as we work our way through that. Now, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've had two Sundays looking at the opening two chapters of this minor prophet. He's a minor prophet, not in the sense of importance, but minor in the sense of the length of the book that they write or is written about them. And if you've missed those two Sundays when we've had Adam twice, uh, you might need to be reminded quickly of the context of Micah. And let me tell you that Micah speaks the same time as Isaiah. So was anybody listening? Was anybody listening when Tom mentioned when was Isaiah? 750 BC, or maybe a little bit uh, later than that, around 700 BC. Now, this is a time when the nations around uh, Israel were a real, and present danger it's there for a time of national crisis when Micah received God's word and he stands up and tells people listening to listen to listen to what God is saying now there's 12 verses in chapter 3 and thankfully there's three parts and know what you know what each of them are four verses. It's perfectly divided for a three point sermon. Absolutely perfect. And so we have the first part in verses one to four. Verses one to four, we hear of unjust leaders receiving their deserts. Unjust leaders receiving their deserts. Let me read quickly from the beginning of verse one. Then I said, Listen. You leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel. The message is being spoken to the political leaders, the heads of government, the judges of God's people, both north and south. They're being summoned here to pay attention and listen to God's word. And what is that accusation against them? Again, Verse 1, should you not know justice? Should you not know justice? Don't you know anything about justice? Don't you know anything about looking after my people? Don't you know anything about governing them with fairness? Don't you know anything about providing them with the security and the comfort from oppression that a good shepherd of the sheep Should provide. You were given the power and authority by God to do this, but you have failed. Indeed, your actions against the people show you hate good and you love evil. Well, this is a really serious message here an accusation by God. The accused are like standing there in the dock at a trial. Justice was meant to be your job description. You have failed. You are using your positions in exactly the opposite way to how you should do so. Now, if you did, uh, if you were here uh, last week, we had chapter two. And in chapter two, we hear of the chosen promised land given by God to his people, That's being seized from them by these deceitful methods, by these deceitful leaders. And now we've got this sort of powerful imagery here, haven't we, that effectively says, you greedy and unjust leaders, you've turned to cannibalism. That's effectively what God is saying, isn't he, when we look at verses 2 and 3, you who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin, and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. It's shocking, isn't it? It's shocking, it's horrible picture here being described. It does sound like some sort of horror film But to a certain degree, these were actually common practices of those enemies around them, the nations around them who were bearing down on Israel and Judah. And this means God is is saying that basically, my national leaders, my magistrates, metaphorically, you're doing to my people what the enemy could be doing to you when they attack and capture you. And then there's that picture in verse 4, isn't there? Where when the enemy attacks, these unjust leaders who prey on the people, they will receive their deserts. They will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. These unjust leaders, these unjust judges of God's people had turned a deaf ear to the helpless, the poor, the needy for their own gain. They had oppressed them. So God's judgment is shown against their sin as God will not listen to their pleas when they are helpless, when they are in need. And too often... We've heard of stories of corruption, haven't we, within governments, leaders who are meant to serve, meant to serve the people who elected them, but they just end up serving themselves. And these sort of things, they will always come out in the end. We'll always hear stories. What did we have during COVID? We had stories of, of, um, of PPE being sold or bought by you know, big contracts being awarded to friends and things. We've had other things as well over the years. What have we heard this week? We've heard of um, lying to to ITV bosses, haven't we? And uh, all this has all come out in the end. You know, you might think God is not listening. He hears all. All these things will come out. You cannot hide these things from God. Judgment is certain. So, verses 1 to 4 strong words being spoken. Unjust leaders will receive their deserts. And now in verses five and eight, we hear of corrupt prophets being denied spiritual gifts. Corrupt prophets being denied spiritual gifts. Let me read verse five to you. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, if one feeds them, They proclaim peace. If he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. These prophets are preaching for a prophet. Somebody laughed. They're preaching for a prophet. They're corrupt. They're available for a bribe. Give them some food and they'll say some nice, warm, comforting things. They will proclaim peace. They will say life is wonderful if you pay them. They simply use their power to line their own pockets. But deny them food and they'll wage war against you. They won't say God bless you. They will say God damn you. And these prophets are false because they lead people astray. They've got no sound doctrine within them. They're merely corrupt. Where do we go with this? Well, let me suggest that sadly over many, many, many years we do hear stories of perhaps people who become ministers in the church simply for the money. For the money, for the for the comfort, the vicarage, the, the, the prestige. And they've probably been jolly nice people. They've been people who have been pillars of the community, doing plenty of good deeds, but you've never heard them preach about sin and the need for forgiveness. Sunday's sermon would usually be just full of good, solid morals. And when real tragedy comes, they provide no hope. They have no message of real and lasting hope. Well, back in Micah chapter 3, we've got verses 6 and 7 warns these corrupt prophets. Verses 6... And seven, therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. You see, these corrupt prophets, they've never really spoken a true word of God. They've never sought to serve and honor God, just themselves. And so when they need God, again, there's no answer from him. So they are denied any spiritual gifts, no visions, just, just darkness. And they're left in disgrace, ashamed, covering their faces because God is silent And again, the picture is so clear, isn't it? God's judgment is being shown against them because of their sin. But contrast. Contrast Micah himself in verse 8. Did you notice how verse 8 really stands out there? But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, And with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Because of God, because Micah preaches about sin, Micah understands, doesn't he? He understands the urgency, he understands the need to speak the whole truth, not just the nice, cuddly bits. Micah is filled with God's power filled with God's spirit of justice and strength. Micah knows what God is really like and he's ready to confront the crime the leaders and the prophets have been doing and call out their sin, call their need for repentance. Micah is ready to administer the hairdryer treatment to this failing team. Harsh words, aren't they? Very harsh words. First, unjust leaders will receive their deserts. Secondly, corrupt prophets will be denied spiritual gifts. And now thirdly, verses 9 to 12, Jerusalem will be ruined. Jerusalem will be ruined. Now this third message of judgment, again, is due to the leadership of The leadership which is said to be based upon bloodshed and corruption which will end up with the ruin, the destruction of of Jerusalem and the temple. It's an echo, isn't it, of the previous verses as we hear again in verses 9 to 11 of the corrupt and dishonest leaders and prophets. Strong words again. Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. What is it that these false and corrupt leaders think of themselves? Look now at verse 11. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. It's sheer complacency, isn't it? They think all is well. They think no disaster is coming. They just assume that God must be on their side. Yet, to the contrary, Micah warns, doesn't he? Because of people like you, verse 12, Therefore, because of you, Zion will be ploughed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. Strong words, isn't it, in, Isaiah, in, sorry, in Micah chapter 3? Strong words. God's judgment is certain against sin. He cannot allow it to go unpunished. In his judgment here, we hear of God withdrawing his protection over Jerusalem. Micah knows this, and he wants the people to, to know of this reality. Micah himself cannot remain silent and say nothing. He can't just stick his his head in the sand, hoping all will be okay in the end. Micah knows it won't be unless something is done about this sin. People need the truth. They need to turn back to God in repentance. So here we have Micah chapter 3. And there seems no realistic hope, does there? Let me suggest, stay with us, stay with us, stay with us us as we carry on through Micah. Judgment, disaster is certain because of sin. And I could just leave us there, but praise God, praise God, that we know ultimately when Jesus went to the cross, he took upon himself all the sin of the world. He took himself the penalty that our sin deserved. Jesus died for our sins so that we would not need to do so. Sin can be forgiven if we acknowledge our failings and if we turn back to God. That is the great promise of the cross. Our hope, therefore, is not that we can escape judgment, but that in Jesus Christ, the penalty has already been paid. Well, as we look back at Micah chapter 3, what lessons are there for us? Perhaps we might be thinking that this has got nothing to do with us because we hear of failings of leaders and prophets years and years ago. But with so much of the Old Testament, these things happened to them then. They're examples for us now. If we follow Jesus, effectively, we are now prophets. Prophets, as in people who have to proclaim the word of God into the context of where we are. And therefore, we need to be people who do declare God's love, but we need to be people who warn of the consequences of sin. And too often, that can be a failing on our part. We remain silent, don't we? We don't really like to mention the word sin. We don't like to mention the word judgment. We don't like to mention hell, do we? Because it it might possibly offend someone. We might be frightened to speak about God's judgment for fear of a complaint against against us. If I went into my office tomorrow morning and said, pointing fingers and screaming about the judgment of God, I'm sure somebody would be straight away typing to HR. But we do need don't we? In our conversations, in how we speak to people, and so as we tell the God, we need to tell the whole truth. We need to warn people of the consequences of sin, as well as to tell them of the love of God. You know, perhaps we have allowed our evangelism to be watered down a bit. But we do need to proclaim that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Why? So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, without Jesus, people are perishing. That is the real and present danger. So we must say something. It would be negligent of us not to do so. Or today, let us take seriously the strong words Micah speaks against the sins, the failings that were prevalent at the time. They are strong words, but we... They need to be spoken. But let us ensure that we are like Micah, perhaps, filled with the Spirit of the Lord, filled to speak of justice. Let us declare to the world the consequences of sin and the salvation available through Jesus. Well, no one likes receiving that hairdryer treatment, but at times it is necessary. Some things need to be said, and sometimes they require strong words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for people like Micah, those who've stood against the tide when they've needed to. We thank you for those who have indeed declared the whole truth of the gospel message, despite all the dangers to compromise and just just say the nice things, say the things people want to hear. May we please, Lord, be people who are not frightened or ashamed of the gospel, because we know it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Amen.